0: Welcome to the third instalment of Alan & Overy's Trust Us. I am your host, Holly Hart. I'm a member of the APAC Corporate Trust & Agency team, and today I will be joined by not two, but three of my excellent colleagues. Today's topics have been directly sourced from client questions and responses to this webinar series, so thank you uh, to all of you, and we look forward to continuing to provide you with the answers to those burning questions. With the market still experiencing instability and many industries facing heavy downturns, Many of your clients are looking to shore up their capital, preserve cash, and get control over their liabilities in the short to medium term. To do so, they will need your assistance. So today, we will be looking at liability management and the roles that you all play. Up first, I'll be joined by my friend and colleague, Louisa Ingham, to provide you with a high-level overview of the liability management activities we are seeing in the market. Then in our second dive, we'll drill down into the details and discuss one of the many quiet achievers in liability management. We intend to look at future episodes, and today we're focusing on the role of the tabulation agent. To do this, I'll be joined by my long time colleague, uh, Raj Sankaran. Finally, in a new segment that we are introducing, KIV, we'll catch up with Tim Beach, and the who's the head of our APAC CTNA team, to run through a rapid fire list of what he's currently keeping in view. So let's drive straight in. Hello, Louisa.
1: Hi, Holly. Good, morning. Good afternoon, everyone else.
0: Hello, thank you for joining us today. Look, there are always varying drivers for why our corporate would look to buy back their debt or otherwise deleverage. Particularly in the context of the current environment, corporates are being met with a range of market considerations. For example, substantial drops in the trading price of many bonds, the general economic outlook and uncertainty over the length of the current slowdown, necessary compliance with financial maintenance ratios in credit facilities, and also considering the potential ratings benefits achieved by deleveraging. There are many ways in which they can manage their capital. Could you run us through some of the most common liability management exercises and detail how our clients may be involved?
1: Yes of course. So the starting point would usually be for an issuer to consider a straightforward redemption, in other words the exercise of a contractual right to repay all or a portion of the relevant bonds at a fixed price. However, whether or not redeeming outstanding bonds in this way is an option for corporates does depend on the terms and conditions of the securities and many investment grade bonds do not provide for redemption prior to maturity, other than as a result of, for example, changes in taxation. This process wouldn't involve trustees and agents significantly, save that the paying agent would be passing through any redemption monies in the usual way. Alternatively, issuers can consider negotiating a debt repurchase, This can be privately negotiated, which is suited to when there are fewer holders or concentrated positions, or via the open market. Indentures and trust deeds typically are either silent or expressly allow this method of buyback at any time during the life of a bond. A repurchase is typically the least expensive method, although the price would have to be agreed on a case-by-case basis. However, the size of buybacks is usually small. One, because liquidity is often limited, and two, to avoid being characterised as a tender offer which requires complying with certain rules that may put com- corporates off from pursuing this. Uh, the only role our clients would be, pro- would be for them in particular in this role would be processing a bond cancellation that might happen following the repurchase. The next option is a tender offer. This is an active solicitation of public holders for a substantial percentage of securities on issue in exchange for cash. Here, an offer is made at a premium over the prevailing market price of the bonds on fixed terms. The offer is subject to a fixed maximum number of bonds to be purchased and is only open for a limited period of time. Agents and all the trustee will typically be brought in early on in this process as they will be used to disse- disseminate the offer to existing holders and may go on to tabulate holder uptake and process payments, etc., later on. The advantages to corporates of launching a tender offer include that it allows targeting of a larger proportion of the outstanding bonds up to all of them and if paired with a consent solicitation which we'll move on to in a second uh, can modify the existing terms of the entire series even those not being repurchased however it is the higher cost option as there are multiple parties involved and will also require that a premium be paid above the trading price to incentivize holders Alternatively, the issuer could launch an exchange offer. These are similar to tender offers, except that the consideration consists of other securities being debt or equity, rather than cash. They are subject to the same legal framework as tender offers. However, they also require an additional disclosure document covering the new securities, i.e. this would be a prospectus or an offering memo. As new securities are involved, there might be a larger role for our clients in their capacities as trustee or agent in respect of that new issue. Um, Finally, there are consent solicitations, which is the solicitation by the issuer of consents from holders to amend certain terms of the bonds or to waive past defaults or future compliance with covenants. Consent solicitations can be done on a standalone basis or coupled with a concurrent tender or exchange offer. The outcome is binding on all holders if the relevant thresholds are met. And when coupled with a tender or exchange offer, non-repurchased or exchanged bonds remain outstanding with the modified terms. The trustee will typically have a pretty active role in overseeing the consent process, and of course in signing the amendment documentation that is likely to throw flow from it.
0: Okay, thank you. That was uh, quite a comprehensive overview. I can see that when we're, um, when us and our clients are talking about this concept of liability management, we're really talking about a wide range of procedures. Are there any legal considerations that our clients in particular should be aware of?
1: Yes, uh, there are various legal considerations um, relating to these liability management exercises, but these are mostly for the issuer and the structuring bank to be aware of rather than our clients, the trustee or agency entities. Um, but all parties must carefully review the trust deed or indenture to determine whether a buyback is permitted and whether the activity is generally compliant with the terms. Um, further, covenants in bank and other debt agreements may restrict a company's ability to redeem its don- bonds, especially if the bonds are junior to the da- bank debt. For example, having said that, it is also important that trustees, agents, and their counsels are aware of what is technically permitted by the relevant bond documents. In particular trustees and agents should understand the treatment of repurchase bonds Um, some indentures or trust deeds require cancellation of securities upon repurchase and the agent will be instructed on cancellation if if not required to be cancelled a company may resell its bonds that it has purchased repurchased in the open market
0: okay so that's legal covered are there any practical considerations
1: As our clients would know, um, the clearing systems do play a very significant role in giving effect to any of these projects. From the outset, it is important to understand their capabilities and procedures to enable agents in particular to perform their role effectively.
0: Brilliant, well, speaking of such, this does sort of lead us quite well into our next topic of exploring the quiet achievers and looking specifically into the role of the tabulation agent. So thank you very much for that excellent overview and I'll say goodbye. Goodbye, thanks. So to join me now on drilling down on the specifics of the roles of the agents that make these liability management exercises possible, I'm delighted to be joined by Raj Shankaran, a senior associate in our EPAC Corporate Trust and Agency team. Hello, Raj, thank you for joining me on Trust Us. Now, as we all know, our clients perform a number of critical yet lower profile roles in liability management projects. I've labeled them the quiet achievers because we don't often discuss the technical technicalities of the roles that they perform. Thinking about the tabulation agent role, in the context of a consent solicitation where a vote is being held on one or more proposals, could you give us a brief description of what that role encompasses?
2: Hello, Holly. More than happy to give a quick overview. As the name might suggest, the tabulation agent's role involves the tabulation of votes in any event where bondholders are voting. So in the context of a liability management exercise, any time there is a consent solicitation, Regardless of whether that involves a tender offer or an exchange offer, a tabulation agent is likely to be required. In reality, while specifics for a given transaction may vary, the tabulation agent will be needed to tabulate all electronic votes processed through the relevant clearing systems. Where specific processes are required, they will be documented in the relevant meeting notice and or consent solicitation memorandum. Such documents are typically prepared by the issuer, and reviewed by counsel acting for the other parties involved.
0: Okay, so as I mentioned in my intro today, it was actually a client that recently asked us to cover this topic as they felt it was particularly relevant at the moment. Is the market seeing an increasing utilization of consent solicitation proceeding?
2: In one word, yes. <laughs> Back on the first episode of Trust Us, Tim gave a great <laughs> overview on current market trends and highlighted this very point. That being, as a result of market volatility, we're witnessing increased activity with distressed debt and issuers breaching covenants and requiring waivers. This has required issuers to engage with bondholders via consent solicitations or where required, full-blown restructurings. Either way, we're definitely seeing an uptick in situations where a tabulation agent is required.
0: Okay, so as these roles become more frequently available to our clients, what are the practical challenges that the agents may experience?
2: The practical challenges here are really limited to ensuring that the specific requirements of any given tabulation agent are adequately communicated to council and recorded accurately in the underlying documentation. Our clients typically have Ops teams that are knowledgeable and well versed in the practicalities of collecting and tabulating votes, however, differences should be expected from one tabulation agent to another. So whilst the basic requirement of establishing and maintaining communication and coordination with the clearing system should be expected, the internal processes particular to a tabulation agent resulting from its own technology, policies and procedures, and capabilities may be quite different. However, with good communication, council can ensure that where an agent has to utilize prescribed forms or to satisfy its own internal requirements, These can be reflected in the underlying meeting pack or relevant materials. It is also important for all parties on any transaction to make sure they flag any timing sensitivities early on. This will allow us to build it into the timetable and ensure any issues are avoided further down the line.
0: Okay, so it seems quite clear from both Louisa and yourself um, that transparency and being really clear about internal capabilities are key. What about documentation? What can agents expect to see on that front and how prescriptive are those documents?
2: As previously mentioned, much of the procedure for voting will be set out in the meeting notice or other consent solicitation documentation. However, the specific duties of the tabulation agent should be detailed in a separate tabulation agency agreement that is between the issuer and the tabulation agent. In addition to including an express reference to there being no implied duties, Such an agreement should also outline key duties, such as reviewing the consent solicitation or consent documentation, ensure compliance with both the agent's own internal requirements and that of the clearing systems, ensuring that there are relevant reporting templates for reporting tabulation results, preparing any applicable meeting proxies and proxy instructions, and of course, attending any meeting of the bondholders in person, or as we have seen recently due to COVID-19, via teleconference. Finally, and for absolute clarity, the agreement should also contain fallback provisions that defer to the issuer in the event of any incomplete, irregular or late voting instructions being received.
0: Great, right. okay, so beyond these practicalities, what sort of protection should agents seek in the documentation?
2: Okay, um, a tabulation agent should be seeking and obtaining fairly standard protections from the issuer, such as the ability to rely upon And be protected from liability for relying upon voting instructions including those received electronically they should be entitled to request and receive any relevant materials to consult with counsel and to not take any action that may involve the tabulation agent incurring expenses or liabilities without first being provided an indemnity or pre-funding to its satisfaction to streamline the documentary process these days most tabulation agents have their own in-house form of tabulation agency agreement. From a practical standpoint, this puts the tabulation agent in a strong negotiating position, as there is a real push in the market to ensure that minimal negotiation is undertaken on these documents.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Raj, for guiding us through the details of the role of one of our quiet achievers. Um, I look forward to seeing you back on here soon.
2: Perfect. Thank you very much, Holly.
0: Bye. And finally today, let me introduce our new segment, KIV, where we intend to give you just the gist of some developments that we are seeing right now in the market. To do this, let me bring on Tim Beach, the head of our APAC corporate trust and agency team, to talk about what he is currently keeping in view. Hey, Tim.
3: Hi, Holly. Hi. Thanks very much.
0: So tell us what is currently on your radar and what may be useful to clients.
3: So, uh, two points today, and, and but before I, I go on to the first one, um, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today, particularly when uh, I suspect, like us, you've been glued to the US election race. Just over the top of my, my uh, camera here, I've got the current um, scores on the board of 220 to Biden and 213 to Trump, so a very close and exciting race. And that actually brings me on neatly to the first point, which I was going to raise today, which is a quick overview of of where I see us in the bond markets in the region. It's uh, been an interesting time over the last few weeks, um, a little bit sort of stop and start in terms of new transactions, but definitely a push over uh, the last two or three weeks or so to get a lot of deals that have been sat around for quite a while uh, out there and, and, and closed. And I think, you know, from the conversations I've had, it's very much related to the election. There's been a lot of people with an eye on uh you know, the uncertainty that could come after today i think you know the numbers i've just mentioned indicate that might well be the case for a little bit longer and so i think there's been a lot of push to try and get deals away while it's possible given that you know if we start to get into a period of days or even weeks of uncertainty and, and court challenges we could start to run out of time you know very quickly for the rest of this calendar year to get deals done so uh, an interesting push on that front which has been good so far a sense that we could be a bit quiet for the rest of the year there probably isn't quite the pipeline that you know we'd like to be seeing at this time of year in terms of other new deals ready to go to market even mm-hmm. if the election gets resolved quite quickly so uh, an interesting one there and um, in in slightly more positive news though um a lot of talk that I, i'm hearing about people that we are really hoping and expecting for a strong 2021 so bit of positive news. Hopefully we can start to move past the virus, move past the US election and look forward to some some good markets next year. Second point is a slightly different one. But obviously, many of you uh, listening in today will have interest in business in China. Uh, you may or may not be aware at this stage that the uh, National People's Congress has released a draft personal information protection law for a consultation process with a closing date for comments of the 19th of November. That law incorporates familiar concepts from GDPR and and other laws, so uh, it won't be entirely unfamiliar to those of you that uh, already know about data protection laws elsewhere in the world. In terms of scope, uh, the law applies to processing within China of personal information of any individuals. It also applies to processing activities which happen outside China, where the processing relates to individuals within China or for the purpose of providing products or services to individuals within China or for analysis of activities of individuals in China. So a pretty broad scope. Uh, It's not clear yet whether that extraterritorial scope is intended to capture processing relating to individuals physically in China or Chinese residents. But hopefully that will become clear at some point. But as I say, certainly something that you know, if, if you're not aware of that and your organizations do have uh, you know, interest and in, in business in China, that is something that once that consultation closes and, and the, the legislation is enacted in due course, uh, is likely to be relevant to you. So, one to keep your eye on. That's it from me, Holly. Back to you.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Um, always good to hear some prospective good news about 2021. As always, everybody, if you'd like further information on any of these topics or anything we have discussed today, do reach out to our team and we'd be more than happy to assist. Uh, That is it. Uh, That brings us to the end of another installment of Trust Us. A very big thank you to my dear colleagues, Louisa, Raj and Tim, for offering their insights today. As always, questions, comments and feedback are very warmly welcome. We are presenting these episodes to help you all, so let us know how we can do that best. Please share this episode as a podcast once you receive it with your colleagues and encourage them to reach out to if there's anything they would like us to address on future episodes. That's it from me. Thank you all so much for joining us and I look forward to speaking with you all soon on the next episode of Trust Us.